Thanks for joining Cornerstone Worship Center's Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and additional resources, we invite you to check us out on the web at www.abetterlifefor.us. God bless you. I'm excited about being in church today. Amen. I'm glad to be here as always. Got a bunch of my students back there. Come from Christ for the Nations to be in church with us today. And thank you guys for coming. God bless you. Thanks to all of you who've come today, especially those of you who are visiting with us. But... Uh, I wish I had about an hour to preach today, but I really just have a few minutes to talk to you. I want to talk to you today in the continuing saga that the Spirit of God has birthed in my heart about simplifying our focus as a church and simplifying our focus as believers to this one cause. How many of you can, without moving from your chair, touch some sort of electronic informational device? Let me see your hands. Wow. See your hands. How many of you, you can touch some sort of informational electronic device without moving from your seat? Look at this. Most of it's telephones. But I have, I have two or three of them. I've got this microphone. I've got my telephone, with, which is a, a computer. And I've got this computer here. How many of you can touch more than one from where you are? Well, look at this. Look at this. Most of you, uh, uh, all, almost all of us can touch one. Uh, you, you see, we are swarmed with information. We don't, we don't have access to inf- information anymore. Access, I mean, we can't escape it now. And it's real easy, and I find this to be true not only for people I know, but for me. It's real easy for us to become swarmed and inundated with too much input. Input's a good thing, but you can have too much. Just ask the highway patrol if people aren't too involved in information. I mean, people, they're having to pass laws to keep us off our cell phones in, in school districts or in uh, school zones. In society, we are crowded with information, too much input. It's so easy to lose sight of the basics. And the Spirit of God has called me and our pastors to get refocused. I mean, in a serious, big-time, serious way on the one cause, the cause of Christ and His message. John 10.10 says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have more abundantly. There's an added word in this passage, and you'll see it right there, that they might have it more abundantly. The word it is not in the Greek text anywhere. 
what that passage actually says, that they, that, that they might have life and that they might have more abundantly. When you have life, and that word life there is zoe, that is you have the God kind of life. When you have the God kind of life, I don't think you can have that in abundance. I think that is abundance all by itself. You understand where we're coming from. If God's on the scene, you can't make him reach, richer. Can you? You're going you're gonna to make God richer by giving in your tithes and offerings? No, you're going to make yourself richer. You cannot enrich God. He is already out there. I mean, he knows what comes after a trillion. Thank God the senators and the president don't. I mean, he, he knows what comes after a trillion. He knows what comes after that because he's already there. He is fully abundant in everything that he, that he is. And, and, and this says the devil came with no other purpose. I want you to understand this. God is not controlling the devil. There is no other purpose behind his attack on your life. He's out to steal from you, he's out to kill you, and he's out to destroy the stuff you have. That destroy is not in reference to your life. That, de- that destroy has to be in reference to the stuff he couldn't kill, he, or, or the stuff he couldn't steal from you, or he, that he, he could not kill you. See, if he can't take your stuff from you, and he can't kill you, then he wants to try to at least vandalize what you have. That's what that destroy means. Everybody follow this. So, there are two aspects to this. It's about your life and about your stuff. About your life and about what, you're, what you possess. And if you look back at the promises of Abraham, the promise God made to Abraham, he, was going, he promised him children. His life would be extended through his children and land. Right? His, 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 his life and his stuff. This is what Jesus is talking about. He's just reiterating the promises he made to Abraham. He is giving them to you. I am come that you might have life and that you might have more abundantly. His life answers that that the devil comes to kill part. Right? And having more abundantly answers the stealing and the destruction part. Everybody getting this? It doesn't mean you're going to have life and then, oh, by the way, I'm just going to give you a whole bunch more of it. No, 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 no. His words mean something. Meaning that when he died for your sins, he was dying for everything that sin brought in. Sickness, disease, poverty, calamity, all those kinds of things. I am come. I noticed this phrase, but I am come. I have students here in this church and People who graduate from Christ for the Nations, they, they, uh, they'll testify to this. One of the biggest things that I face as an instructor, one of the biggest things that I face as a pastor, Pastor Eric and I both, we've had to help people with, uh, with their understanding of the Word of God. They say, well, what about Job? And it's a, such a simple answer. I usually draw a cross on the board and ask, did something significant happen between Job and and you. Find the worst examples in the Bible to live by? Are you kidding? You want to find the worst examples in the Bible? Huh? On that side of what Jesus did for us, on that side of the cross, on that side of the resurrection? I don't think so. 
Not when in Acts chapter 20 and verse 27, the apostle Paul says, I have not shunned to preach to you, declare to you all the counsel of God. All the counsel of God. The apostle Paul taught us everything God. That word counsel means advice, means purpose. It also is defined as his will. The apostle Paul taught us the whole will of God. All the counsel of God is found in the new covenant. Glory be to God after Jesus rose from the dead. What about Job? What about David? He was bad. Well, okay. Yeah. They all were. They had an anointing that came and left and came and left and came and left and came and left. First John 2.27 says, you received an anointing that came to stay. I said, you received an anointing that came to stay. That's the whole difference in being born again. Because now the Holy Spirit didn't come to visit He's come to stay. Oh, Lord, we need a visitation. Only if you're not saved. Oh, Jesus, would you visit us? He's knocking on the inside of the door now. Hello, I'm in here. Right here. Oh, Lord, would you visit us? Hello, I'm here. Hello. Don't need a visitation when he lives there. Oh, Jesus, come visit me at my house. Your house is my house. This is what the New Testament teaches. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Wow. (laughs) Get a revelation of the God who lives on the inside of you. Amen. All the counsel of God. See, it really did change everything when Jesus died. That word life in John 10.10 is the state of one who is possessed of vitality. Life real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God, blessed in the portion in this world and in the world to come of those who put their trust in Christ. First thing I want to say to you today really is this, that Jesus made promises. John 10.10, it tells us that he was making promises while he was here. Now, some folks think a threat is a promise. I promise you, young man, if you do that again, I'm going to beat the living daylights out of you. Huh? Anybody ever get a promise like that from your parents? That's not really a promise. That's what they called it, but it wasn't really a promise. It was a threat. It was a warning. Okay? See? I know what a promise is. My mama made me one of those promises. I think I told you that. She said, I'm going to promise you this. I don't know if she even used the word promise, but she, she made it like it was a promise. She said, you learn to play that guitar. I mean, she gave me a choice. I could either learn to play the guitar or I could die. It wasn't like she was mean or anything. She just gave me a choice. Okay? But now, she did make a promise in it. She said, if you learn to play the guitar, I won't make you take piano lessons anymore. And that was well worth it. For me, I did not like the piano, didn't want to play the piano, because I knew God would bring Velma Ring into my life eventually. And I'd have all the piano I needed. Amen. There's a difference in a threat and a promise. George Seguenza had a promise. 
You all remember George Seguenza. He was driving a little tiny little Volkswagen car one day, a little, I mean, little tiny subcompact car on the freeway in, in, in New Orleans, Louisiana, and changed lanes right in front of a fully, fully loaded cement truck and slammed on his brakes. The cement truck didn't. And run right up over the top of that little car of his, mashed it flat. Looked like he'd sat on a chewing gum wrapper. It was just flat. Truck driver jumped out, ran back there, and there wasn't anything but an arm sticking out of the wreckage. And attached to that arm was George Seguenza, and he was screaming his head off. That means he was still alive. Wonder of all wonders, miracle of all miracles. They got out there, got the big hook out there, and lifted that big truck off that thing, you know. And, and, and he's still in there all this time. It took hours and hours and hours, and it's on the freeway in New Orleans. And they sort of un, uncrunched that little car and sawed everything away, retrieved George, sent him off to the hospital. In a few days, he got out of the hospital, recovered fine. Newspaper said miracle on the freeway. Said miracle. The headline said miracle on the freeway in New Orleans. Miracle on the freeway. They couldn't figure it out. Nobody believed that this guy should be alive looking at the car. I mean, nothing about the car. They had pictures of the car. Nothing about the car even looked like something that belonged to a car except the rear bumper. The rear bumper had survived it. And there's where the miracle unravels. We, we, get the, we get the answer. Attached to that rear bumper was a bumper sticker. It simply read, Jesus saves. When I heard Paul Harvey tell that story, Paul Harvey later said, Indeed. <laughs> Jesus saves. Amen. You see, when you're living by the promises, wonderful things can happen to you. If, you're li- if you think the Bible is a book full of threats and warnings, well, then you're just living in part of it. You're living 98% of the truth, which really is going to turn out to be a lie to you. Come on, somebody. Uh, hear, what I'm sa- hear what I'm saying? Just part of the truth. Part of the truth isn't, isn't, isn't the truth. Part of the truth is a lie. You've got to have the whole truth. Jesus went about making promises. Jesus went around making promises. And the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 that all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes, yes and amen. <laughs> Didn't say that the threats and the judgments were all ours. It says that the promises are all ours. Amen. An old Chinese woman, and I don't have much time here, but the old China, an old Chinese woman, she said, she said that uh, uh, she was reading her Bible that they'd gotten to her. She had never even seen a Bible. She had hoped to one day see one. Well, they handed her a Bible, a box of Bibles. Friends of ours had gone over there, handed her a Bible, and she's in a wheelchair. And she got that Bible, and she said, oh, glory. And she held it to her breast, and she cried, and she thanked God, had a little revival of her own. And then then she handed the Bible back to them. And they all said, no, 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 Granny, that's your Bible. Oh, she grabbed it again and went, you know, started church all over. It was just, just awesome, you know, because, wow, she had only hoped to see one, maybe to touch one, but never to own one. So she has her own Bible in Chinese. A few days later, she started, she'd been reading that Bible. She sends word to her pastor, you need to come over here to my house and bring oil with you. He, he said, why? She said, I've been reading this Bible, and I found in here in James chapter 5 that I don't have to stay in this wheelchair. <laughs> says, all I have to do is call for the elders of the church, and they'll come over and lay hands on me, and they'll anoint me with oil, and then I'll be healed. Pastor said, well, Grandma, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have that kind of faith. She said, don't you never mind about that. You just bring that oil over here. I got faith enough for both of us. 
I've been reading the book. Amen. Glory to God. Happy sequel to the story is they went over there and laid hands on her, anointed her with oil. She got up out of that wheelchair and walked. Glory be to God. Amen. 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 When you get on the promises, you see, Jesus went around making promises. The promises will make all the difference in your life. The promises. I want you to be focused on the promises. The cause of Christ was you. The cause of Christ was to get his good to you. If he can, we can get you focused on all Jesus died to pay for, then you'll have a better life. Amen. His purpose was not to just to save us so we could go to heaven and have a better life then. His purpose was to save us so we could have a better life now. Glory be to God. And a better life is a life that lives above sin. It lives above addictions. It lives above stupidity. I know that last one's a big challenge, but... Come on, I want you to say it with me. He made promises. They are mine. I will not let his death go unmerited. When I am rewarded by his promises, he is rewarded for his sacrifice. Don't you see? He's rewarded when you get blessed. That was what he did it for. He's rewarded when you get blessed. That's why he did it. John 13, 34. John 13, 34 says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Did you, also, did you also know that not only did Jesus make promises, he gave commandments. This, I'm, I picked this one out as probably the pinnacle one. He gave a lot of commandments. He told us a lot of things to do. And he didn't tell us to do these things for his benefit. He told us to do these things for our benefit. He's always trying to get something to you. And the, and the disciples knew what it meant. They knew what it meant when Jesus said, I want you to love each other. I want you to love each other profoundly. It's one of the greatest evangelistic tools of a church is that the, that church loves each other and that there's no gossip, there's no, there's no gossipiness squeezing out of the pores of the church. If gossipiness is in it, it will inevitably come out and people outside will hear it. If a church can just stop that sinful activity of gossipiness squeezing out of its pores, then, the, the, then the, the people on the outside will want to be a part of that. But when they get wind of you, that is not attractive. That is a repellent to unbelievers. That's a repellent to unbelievers. What they need to hear from us is how loving our church is. That's what they, that, yeah, your, that your friends are in the body of Christ. That you can't wait to get there because you have the greatest pastor and overseer in the world. Yeah. Amen. I thought that'd go over bigger than it did. I really did. <laughs> Many of the promises that Jesus made are contingent upon obedience to the word. You were shouting a minute ago, but I'm saying that many of the promises Jesus made have contingencies of obedience to them. Not for righteousness. His, he, he imputed righteousness to you as a free gift. Thank God. But when it comes to getting in on everything, you have to work out your salvation. Are you hearing me? You think just, well, well I've been saved 30 years and I've never seen an inc- a return on my, on my giving. Well, are you a tither? Well, I give what I can. Philippians 4.19, let's turn. This is one of our favorite verses to quote as a promise. Philippians 4.19. It's a contingency. It's a contingency promise. Let's read it together. But my God shall supply all your need, out loud with your own mouth, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How many of you like this promise? 
Come on, let me see you. Be honest. How many of you like this promise? Okay, okay, okay. You like this promise? Let's find out what the contingency is. Back up to verse 14. Make that 15. Sorry. 15. Chapter 4, verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I, Paul, departed from Macedonia, no church communicated uh, with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Oh, 16. For even in Thessalonica you sent once again unto my necessity. Verse 17. We have it. Did you see this? He gives them the promise of this more than enough, abundantly above all that they could ask or think, based on the contingency that they'd already met. They kept pouring their money into the ministry. I'm not trying to get a raise. I'm well paid. I'm just saying that God's not trying. I'm not trying to get anything from you, and neither is God by saying that he's trying to get things to you. He's wanting this great blessing, not because I desire a gift. Well, see, Paul said it for me. But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Then verse 19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to how wealthy he is. Oh, my. Well, I've got two or three stories I'd like to tell you there, but I'm not going to. I want you to make this confession with me. Secondly, he gave commandments. Say, he gave commandments. They are my responsibility. I will not let his life... Go unnoticed. A disobedient Christian, listen to me, I'm, I'm putting this parenthetically in. A disobedient Christian causes, the, causes Jesus' life to go unnoticed. Only when you live in obedience does Jesus' life get noticed. All right, back to our confession. When I am obedient, he is glorified in the world. All right, finally, Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Are you getting anything out of this today? It's helping me. Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Turn to Matthew 28, 18. 28, 18. We're going to look at three verses there. Matthew 28, 18 says, He gave us, see, see this here, He gave us power over the devil. Then verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Well, He gave, first gave them power over the devil, and now He's given them power over everything. Because he said, it's all been given to him. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Verse 19. Go ye therefore. Wow. You're going on the basis of the fact that Jesus has all the authority, all the power. That, that word there, power, is actually the word authority, exousia. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And look, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What these two verses tell us is that Jesus delegated authority. He made promises. He gave commandments. But he also delegated authority. See, I'm convinced that whatever you say, whatever you say in faith, God will say in heaven. If you say it here, he'll say it there. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. See, he has a body on this earth. He has a mouth on this earth. He has a people on this earth. That's why we're here, to enforce the will of God. Amen. To enforce the will of God on planet earth as it's being enforced in heaven. When we pray about it, we do more than pray about it. We get in the flow and be obedient to what he says. Amen. And then things begin to change. 
Violence, I believe, in this country is, a, is due to a lack of the real one cause message, the cause of Christ. I believe that violence is running rampant in our streets because one primary reason is because we stopped preaching that Jesus died for sins and that he rose again the third day. We preach all kinds of other nutty things, but we stopped preaching the centrality of Christ and what he did, that he, he died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This is the message of God, and out of it springs every good thing. You can have all kinds of good things things in your life, but if you're not preaching the gospel of Christ, and if you're not living according to the mandates of the gospel of Christ, and you don't know what grace is, and you certainly don't know what faith is, because it's all just a matter of man-made religion yet one more time. Oh, I'm, you know, I know I'm going to heaven because I can feel him in my soul. No, 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 no. Everybody feels their religion. I'd rather know I was in the truth and never feel another thing. I'd rather know I was in the truth and never feel another thing if I know I'm in the truth. I believe you can feel this truth. I believe you can feel it. I'm not opposed to it. I'm just saying that's not the basis of who we are. The basis, our cause is Christ and this simple message. The reason there's such violence in the streets is because they don't know. See, they know that somebody, when a young man... has his life all been out of shape he's had no daddy he's messed up on drugs he finds people of affinity and he and he and he gets with them and the next thing you know they're dreaming up crazy things to do the only thing they can find to do to deal with the pain on the inside of them is to kill somebody or to injure somebody because they know man knows instinctively that somebody has to die for my pain We know this instinctively. Muhammad picked it up, and they just go killing people. Makes perfect sense to me. Makes sense to everybody. Somebody's going to bleed for me, for how I feel. And I think that comes because the church of Jesus Christ has stopped preaching about the blood. We've stopped preaching about what he did on the cross. The central point of the, of the gospel is that Christ died for our sins. You see this? Your, your, your mandate is to go out there and tell them, Hey, I know somebody has to die for your pain. Somebody needs to die for how you feel. I'm just bringing you news. Somebody already has. Somebody already died for your pain. Somebody already died for how you feel. Young man, you can put down your gun. You can put down your knife. Lady, you can put it down. You don't have to kill that guy. He ain't worth the insurance policy anyway. Glory be to God. got real quiet when I said that in this house, didn't it? You don't have to do that. You don't have to fight back. Christ died for you. He died for what was wrong with you. He died for the pain you feel. Christ's blood fixes it all he delegated this authority to us so that we could talk about his blood as though we were there seeing it thirdly i want you to say it with me he delegated authority that authority is mine to use to make the devil and demons flee to make men righteous happy and free i didn't mean for it to rhyme but it does i want to ask you to stand to your feet and i'm almost finished with this First of all, I want us to make these three declarations again. These three that we made together, I want to make them all three together. First of all, let's, sing, let's say this one. He made promises. Come on, like you mean it. Come on, like you wrote it, would you? He, he made promises. They are mine. I will not let his death 
go unmerited when I am rewarded by his promises. He is rewarded for his sacrifice. Secondly, he gave commandments. They are my responsibility. I will not let his life go unnoticed. When I am obedient, he is glorified in the world. Thirdly, he delegated authority. That authority is mine to use to make the devil and demons flee, to make men righteous, happy, and free. I refuse to live a humdrum life. I purpose to live for the cause of Christ, the one cause, the cause of Christ. Say it with me. I will never be the same. My family, my friends will never be the same. My church, my city will never be the same. This is not a New Year's resolution. This is my life's resolution. This is my life's resolution. One cause, Jesus and his message. Now tell him how much you love him. Glory be to God. Tell him how much you love him. Glory be to God. With your heads bowed just for a moment, who in this building will say, Preacher, man, I never heard anything quite like that, but I'd sure like to be a part of a family like this. I'd sure like to be saved today. See, Christ did die for your sins, according to the Scriptures, and He was buried. He was really buried. But on the third day, He rose again from the dead, proving that everything He had said was true. Because we'll believe your grandmother's religion when she rises from the dead. We'll believe your prophet's way of doing it when he rises from the dead. Until then, we're just listening to Jesus. He's the only one who ever rose from the dead. All others are still dead. Oh, that means that what he said is true. And he loves you just like you are today. Who in this house will say, Preacher, you finally got through to me. I'm ready to be saved today. Just lift your hand and say, That's me. I want to pray for you right where you are. You lift your hand and say, I need you to pray for me today. I need to get right with God. All right. I need to get right with God today. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your love for these. Amen, amen, amen. All right. All right. All right. Thank you, Father. Father, today I thank you for these, your people. I thank you, Lord, that we've started on a new journey together. The one cause, refocusing, seeing it clearly again, shutting out the clutter to hear what the Spirit is saying, to hear what the Word of God says. And I'm asking that you'll bless your people in Jesus' name, cause this word to, to land in good soil, that it will bring forth 30, 60, and 100 fold in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you be seated just for a moment, please, before we go? I said before we leave here today, Tommy's going to be back there with a bucket. We we're going to receive a special offering for Haiti. Send not just to send to some organization there, but we, we know Eleanor Workman who runs a children's home there 
they're going to have to replace that building somehow. You know? But I have an important announcement to make to you. As the Lord has so penetrated my heart with this message, the one cause message, it became clear to me a few months ago now, I'll say, that we needed to make a significant change to identify who we are as a body. I have people come who visited this church a long time ago, come say, it's not the same church it was. No, you're right. And you're wrong too. It's the same church. It's just that we've grown. Not just numerically, but we've grown in, in ways that are significant doctrinally and spiritually and other ways. Things have changed. This Easter Sunday, which is the first Sunday of April, I will have been here seven years. And in case any of you are thinking, oh no, what's he about to say? I'm not leaving. <clears throat> but this Easter Sunday, I will have been here seven years as senior pastor of this church. And the Lord began to speak to me about making a change. I'm not changing churches, but I think it's time for a change of the name of the church to better signify who we are and where we're going. And I talked with my board, talked with our staff, and there's not one person in opposition. Not one person in opposition. Now, we're announcing it to you today, so you can begin talking about it, kind of get used to the name because it's, it's really strange. It's the Snake Handler's Church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would take a little bit of an adjustment, wouldn't it? <laughs> and next week we'd have four people in church. Everybody I pay. <laughs> but because of these messages and how the Lord has so penetrated my life and my heart with this, to get the people focused again on what's important. We're naming the church One Cause Ministries. One Cause. And when you talk to people about where you go, you can just say, well, I go to the OC. It's kind of cool. Or you can say, you can say, I go to the church with one cause. And they'll ask you what the cause is. If you tell them, if I go to Christian Fellowship, they're going to think they know what you're about. I wanted something that would open doors for you to be able to talk to them. Yes. Open doors. But, it, but again, express to all of us to keep it simple. Yes. Come on, everybody say kiss. Yes. Keep it simple, somebody. <laughs> keep it simple, sir. Keep it simple, sister. One cause message Helps us keep it simple. All the good things. We're going to be preaching all over the Bible. But remembering what our central focus is. The one cause. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says. And I'm going to finish here in just a minute. We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written. I believe and therefore have I spoken. Paul talks about faith being a spirit. I believed and therefore have I spoken. As it is written, notice that the Bible's in there. His faith is in there. His confession is in there. We also believe and therefore speak. Do we preach this kind of stuff or not? Huh? Look at verse 14. 
knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Is the gospel in this or not? Of course, Christ rose from the dead. Verse 15. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace. How many of you are thankful for abundance of grace? How many of you are thankful it wasn't just a drop here and there, but abundance of grace? Might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory, that is reverberate to the glory of God. That is that God would be glorified over and over because of grace. Look what verse 16 says. For this cause. Wow. What was Paul's cause? What was his cause? The faith message, the scriptures, our confession, and the abundance of grace. What do you keep hearing preached here all the time? Would you say it's pretty much those four things? And it says, for that cause, that cause, we faint not. For though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Listen, if you stay in this, God's going to get to you what you want. He's going to get to you what you need. And I am so thankful to be a part of this. Now, we're not going to make it official. We've changed the name of the church to One Cause Ministries. We're not going to make that official until Easter Sunday. And we're going to invite the entire city to come and to be a part of what we're doing. We're going to put it in the paper. We're going to put it on the website. It's going to be big. May even do a big mail out. We don't even know what we're going to do, but we're just going to invite the whole city to come be a part of One Cause Ministries. Amen. Brother William was there in the board meeting. We had, we had such agreement. I thank God for the leadership of this church. We're the same church. We're just growing. And the Lord, every, every ministry I've ever known of, just about, at some point in their life, found the need to make a change in the name because it better identified who they were, were and where they're going. Come on. How many of you know we're going someplace here? We're going someplace here. Amen. Well, high five two or three people, would you? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Amen. Glory be to God. Now stand to your feet. We're going out of here with a shout today. Don't forget the orphans. By the way, that boy, that that guy in the black shirt back there, Tommy Foster, he was raised in a foster home. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Tim and Rachel, where are you? If you're first time visitors here, we have a gift for you. That pretty lady right there and her husband, Tim, they want to greet you and get that gift into your hand and and say thank you for coming to Cornerstone One Cause Ministries today. Once again, thanks for joining Cornerstone Worship Center's Building a Better Life. We'd like to invite you to one of our services in McKinney, Garland, or Little Elm. And for more information about those service times and locations, you can check us out on the web at www.cornerstone.com a better life for us. We hope you enjoyed this. God bless you.